This is the Blueprint Podcast, bringing you the latest in cyber defense and security operations from top Blue Team leaders. Blueprint is brought to you by the SANS Institute and is hosted by SANS Certified Instructor John Herbert. And now, here's your host, John Herbert. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, John Hubbard. Welcome to episode one. In this very first episode, I wanted to kick off the inaugural season of the Blueprint Podcast by just giving you a little bit of background information on myself and my philosophy as a blue teamer and SOC analyst, SOC manager, and what I've seen from talking to a number of students throughout my multiple SANS courses that I've taught and authored over time. So to kick it off, little bit on my background real quick. I started in roughly, I would say 2005, listening to security podcasts while I was an undergrad. And what I learned at the time was that information security was something that was a always changing, always expanding, very challenging topic. And it really grabbed a hold of me. And I started listening to some of those initial podcasts way back in the day. This is how I got my initial interest in the topic. And from there on, it was kind of a freight train. I shifted my career trajectory to move from electrical engineering into information security and pursued a master's degree in the field and eventually got my first job as a SOC analyst at a pharmaceutical company. That job brought with it a lot of really interesting and unique experiences, a lot of challenges, a lot of things very typical of the industry that you would see in any organization. Getting access to the right data, getting the right visibility, spotting the attacks that were most relevant to us. And so Through that experience, I built up a lot of real-world practical knowledge on how to do this task from a variety of standpoints as a manager and as a technical expert. And so with that, around 2015, I started transitioning towards teaching for SANS. I did my first course in malware reverse engineering, which led to my second course in penetration testing, and then a third course in security monitoring. And from there, kind of the rest is history. It really had me hooked, and I really, really enjoyed teaching. I started teaching SEC 511 for SANS in 2016, and from there on, it kind of progressed through the system for becoming an instructor for SANS and met Justin Henderson, where in 2017, me and him teamed up on our first two-day course, which was SEC 455, our course on using Elasticsearch as a sim. Then, after that course was released, I told SANS, hey, I had this experience as a SOC manager, and one of the problems we always came to was what do we give people as a base level training? And, you know, I didn't know that there was anything that was a perfect match for that at the time, which is where my second course came from, SEC 450, Blue Team Fundamentals, which is a six-day course all about what I believe is a base set of knowledge that should be kind of commonly shared amongst all people working in a SOC. And so developed that course, which led into the two-day management 551 course, which is just being released at the time of this recording on two days of SOC management. So that's kind of my background in a nutshell. Security analyst, senior analyst, SOC manager, instructor, background in malware, reverse engineering, penetration testing, continuous monitoring, and security operations, and then ultimately turned into a SOC consultant, SAN certified instructor, author of several blue team operations curriculum courses. I say all this because this is the mindset that I have in my background, which is going to drive a lot of the conversations that I have throughout season one and the topics that we discuss. 
My goal with this podcast is to be as useful as possible in the shortest amount of time. I like podcasts that get really down to the point and make it so that you can learn an important topic in an easily understood manner and an efficient way. I love listening to podcasts on drives and other things like that. And so my goal is going to be to cram as much information as I can with some of the most interesting people I can find into the shortest amount of time it takes to convey that information. So to kick this off, I want to talk a little bit through my mindset. When I go into either a customer's environment for the first time who's looking to get as much value as possible, as quickly as possible out of their sock, or whether I have a student that's asking a question about what's their next best move that they can do, there's a couple concepts that I always find myself going back to. And so for this first episode, I wanted to line some of those things up and explain my sort of philosophy of the art of blue teaming. So without further ado, here we go. The first thing that I like to talk about when considering what to do as a blue team is mindset about what is winning in a modern attack versus a traditional attack. And when I say that, what I mean is most attacks that we are the most worried about nowadays are the advanced attackers. Those are the attacks that end up with consequences that are incredibly expensive. And so, yes, it is annoying that as a blue team, if we get bot infections and other things like that. But getting rid of those is really just usually a case of wiping, re-imaging, and giving someone their computer back. As a course of dealing with advanced attacks, things are very, very different, right? These attackers come to us for a specific reason. They have a goal, and if they get to that goal, we are going to be in the news, we're going to be paying millions of dollars. Our organizations really, really do not want this to happen. So first and foremost, as a blue team, Everything we do needs to be oriented towards catching these types of attacks before they get all the way to the end. And when I say the end, I mean the end of the kill chain or however you want to model an attack. Attacks don't go from, hey, let's probe an open port to, yeah, well, you just lost a million dollars worth of customer info in a heartbeat. At least most times they don't. There may be some exceptions there with SQL injection and other things where websites are really bad. Most cases, that's not true, right? So what we need to do as a blue team is architect as many hurdles, traps, and different defenses and preventions that we can get in the way of an advanced attacker with and catch them at some point before they get to the end of that kill chain. And if we can do that, then we can be alerted to their presence and start to either engage or hopefully just kick them out as quickly as possible and slow them down, right? And so that's the goal, overarchingly, right? So to do this, we need to know a couple of key things. One of those key things is what is it that we're trying to defend in the first place? Do you know where your key data is? Do you know who accesses that key data? Do you know the paths that those people take to access that data? Here's an example. Let's say an attacker wants to get to a CEO's email inbox. We know there are advanced attackers out there that are, of course, interested in board member and CEO email. How can you get to the email address of someone like that? Well, it's not just them that have access to it. It's the help desk. It's people who run backups. It's people who are exchange administrators. And so you can create this chain of different paths to get to things and people who have access to it. And any one of those that an attacker can access is a potential path for them to steal that data. So as a blue team, you have to think about where's the data, who can access that data, and how do they access that data? And how can we detect any kind of movement down those paths? Those are the things that are going to be key, just kind of core mindset details that you need to have. Then beyond that, you want to start to define your enemy. If you can define your enemy really in any form or fashion, that is going to help you tailor your defense and spend your money in the best possible way to get in the way of that attacker. This is where threat intelligence comes in. 
Threat intelligence, we often think about, if you're an analyst, on the what we would call a tactical level, the very atomic IOC hash values, subdomains, you know, any of that sort of stuff, kind of small bits of information level. But there's higher levels of threat intelligence than that. There's what's referred to as the operational level of threat intelligence or even strategic level, which is more broad picture, what attackers are out there and what do they want. As a blue team, you need to have first and foremost some idea of the strategic level of threat intelligence. Who is out there that wants the type of data you have? If you don't know specifically, go back in history. Look at some of the attacks that have been written up by FireEye or really any of those groups out there, CrowdStrike, Microsoft. Google the type of industry you're in and then see if you can find a past attack that applies to a company like you and look at who that attack was attributed to. Then, once you have some idea of who they are, you can say, well, if they're interested in this company that's very similar to mine, they're probably going to be interested in my company as well. So with that information and with that assumption, of course, that we hope is correct, then it's probably the most correct we can get without special inside information. Look at the way that they perpetrated that attack. Look at their tools. Look at their methods. How advanced were they? What protocols do they like to use? How did they do lateral movement? What were their goals? That whole sort of thing, right? This is the higher level kind of strategic what's going on here in the big picture and then the operational level details of those campaigns. Those are the things you're going to be needing to protect against at a high level. So if you can nail those things down, that's going to start to aim your team in the right direction so that you can spend your money in the most effective way possible. Then, once you know who your attackers are, or at least you think you know as best as you can find out, and you look at the tools they use, you look at the methods that they are operating with inside networks, whether they're using custom malware, living off the land, all of that sort of stuff then you can kind of focus in on the tactical level of threat intelligence and say, what are the specific items that these groups use? What are their domains? What hashes of their malwares are are available? Things like that. What are the specific details? And with all three of those pieces, who your attacker is, what they do, what they want, how they operate, and then the specifics on the attacks, hopefully you've found at least some detail to start tailoring your defense. And that information is where you can start to build a blue team and say, This is what we have of value because we've defined our assets. This is the enemies that we think we're going to face because they're interested in what we have. And this is how they're going to do it. You can start picking the tools you need, the data you need to source, and the technology you're going to have to utilize to start defending against those styles of attacks. Now, another piece of this puzzle is just thinking about security operations as a whole. When it comes to a SOC, I remember being an analyst, you know, a long time ago, walking out on the first day and thinking, There are a lot of really cool tools in here. And, you know, I don't know what a lot of these do necessarily because I haven't sat behind one at a large organization before. So I have to figure all of this out. That's one of the things I tried to write into my class. And I came up with this kind of framework of the five kind of things that a SOC does at least as kind of core activities. And so number one is collection, which is just pulling in the data you need to even spot an attack in the first place. The second one being detection, which is going to take the items you've collected plus the threat intelligence you have, plus any rules and analytics that come with your technologies that you've already purchased, and then identify things that might be bad. Anything that comes out of the detection phase is going to go into a big pile of things you need to triage as a SOC. Things that need to be triaged are going to be looked at in order of apparent priority. And I say apparent because it's sometimes hard to tell. We all probably know that if you've looked at a list of alerts before. And we say, okay, which one seems to be the most important? And is this a true positive, is this a false positive? We look in the investigation kind of section, that's the next piece. We move into the investigation section and answer that question. 
If that alert is a true positive, then it moves on to part five, which is incident response, where you qualify this as an actual incident, something bad is happening, and you have to spin up the full capacity to, you know, block that incident, get in the way of the attackers, eradicate, contain the malware, you know, recover from everything, and then ultimately wrap that up with a lessons learned meeting and all that good stuff and continuously improve your process amongst all of those things. As kind of side auxiliary features to those five steps, collection, detection, triage, investigation, and incident response, we have multiple other groups that either are part of the SOC or work very closely with the SOC. That would be threat intelligence teams, if you have an organization that's big enough for one, pen testers, red teamers, forensics groups, and all these other kind of supporting groups that help the SOC do its job better and more completely day to day, right? And so you take all these kind of functions and we have our technologies that help us do those. The biggest technologies for a security operations center are going to be the SIM, Security Information and Event Management, the Incident Management System, IMS. You may use different acronyms for it. That's what I usually call it. And there is typically some sort of threat intelligence platform as well. A lot of students tell me they don't have a dedicated threat intelligence platform, but those are the three tools that I think are the big things that you should have in some capacity. Threat intelligence platforms, things like MISP that will be holding your threat intelligence data. Those three tools will work together to collect your data, highlight things that are potentially bad, help you triage them, and then help you document any kind of incidents that are going on, match against bad indicators and other information that you've stored in the threat intelligence platform, and then hopefully, ultimately out of all that, close cases, right? Now, to do this, it takes a lot of data. That data generally comes in two different forms. And so when I go to a team and I'm assessing, you know, how good of a job they're doing, I often break the data quality and availability into two different camps. That would be the host-based data and the network-based data. So network security monitoring is the function that kind of the term for the function that covers network security data. Can you see what devices are talking to each other? Can you see the protocols they're using? Can you see the contents of that conversation? Maybe you just have NetFlow, right? Anything is better than nothing, but ideally, as a blue team, you can see every different connection throughout your network as much as possible. That's important because you have to spot lateral movement once an attacker gets inside the network. And if the only thing you can see is the perimeter of the network, of course, it's going to be very hard to spot an attacker that's already come inside the network. That's one big piece. The other piece is host-based data. Host-based data is going to be what processes are running, what auto-runs items are on a machine, what services are there, really anything that you can see from the vantage point of an agent that might be running on the computer or a process, something like that. When we have EDR tools, when we have Sysmon running, antivirus, you know, that's usually the realm of what those tools are dealing with. What's running? What started it? Is it a signed process? Where did that file come from? What you know ports is it using? If it's encrypting stuff, maybe it can get some kind of view on stuff pre-encryption, things like that. You take your network data, you take your host data, you combine both of those things together, turn all of that data into some sort of log if you can, and give it to your SIM where you as an analyst can take the alerts that were generated based on it and then find all of the other context on the activity of what happened on a host when an alert goes off. One of the things that you might find is there are certain log types that will not include key data. A DNS log, for example, will have a domain name, it will have an IP address, but it won't inherently tell you who made, or at least won't directly tell you who made that request. It will tell you a source IP, and that source IP will have to be correlated with maybe a DHCP log or some kind of Kerberos ticket request 
that has a username associated with it telling you the same source IP of where that DNS request came from, and then you can infer that it was that same person that made it. The SIM is the tool that gives you the ability to correlate all of this data. So you may have 20 different types of data, all of which have a partial view on a request that you know a person made or a machine made, and putting all those bits of information together is really the value of the SIM is seeing the full picture of what's going on in one clear interface where it's easy to go through all of the logs, do visualizations, make reports, and see all that information in one spot. We'll be back after a quick break. If you're enjoying this episode, then you're undoubtedly interested in building the strongest security operations team that you can. For those who want to go even deeper, did you know that SANS has not one, but two courses that cover security operations centers as well? For the leaders, managers, and directors out there, my co-author Mark Orlando and I offer 551, Building and Leading Security Operations Centers. This course covers building your team, your physical and virtual workspace, getting the right data into your tools, and then focusing on security priorities through everyday execution of important security tasks and building the best SOC team possible. For the technical practitioners out there, my course SEC 450, Blue Team Fundamentals, Security Operations and Analysis, is designed to cover everything you need to jump in being the best SOC analyst that you can be. We cover important data types, SOC tools, security logs, malware, analysis technique, automation, and much, much more. In addition, if you want to prove you can deliver the best on any security team, both courses have an accompanying certification available from GIAC. That's the GSOM for 551 and the GSOC for 450. Check out both courses and free demos available on the SANS website. You can get registered today for an in-person course at one of our many events, or go to On Demand and take either class anywhere at your own pace. Thanks for listening. The ultimate goal here, as I mentioned earlier, is creating a defense in depth sort of scenario. You want to have traps laid for detection of attacks at all stages across the kill chain. So you want to have detection for the delivery stage, exploit stage, install, command and control, or if you want to go with MITRE attack tactics, you want to be able to see persistence, you want to be able to see the lateral movement. All of those things need to have their own unique and independent way of being caught if an attacker is doing them. So when we have all these layers together, it makes a series of hoops that an attacker has to successfully jump through every single one of before they can get through their entire attack and get to that goal and cause a big expensive incident. Yes, it can be annoying if they get halfway through and we have to clean up and it still is irritating, but it's not going to be the huge damage caused if we stop them before the end. And so that is the goal. Now, ultimately, it's these miter attack tactics and techniques, kill chain stages, Mandian attack cycle stages, however you want to look at an attack, that the blue team really has to categorize their capabilities down into. We have to be able to prevent and detect as many of them as possible. There's a saying that we repeat all the time at SANS, and that is, prevention is ideal, detection is a must. And when we say that, what we mean is, of course, we want to prevent everything we can, But there are certain things that we will always fail to prevent. We can't anticipate every single attack that's out there. So backing up our best prevention that we can put forward should be the assumption that we have to detect some stuff that's going to get past those initial lines. And this is where the defense in depth comes in. We assume compromise. We assume we need to have detections for lateral movement on the internal network. And we need to be able to catch when an adversary has a command and control channel already working and is running commands on a server deep within the network, right? 
All of those things need to be in place, not just one really, really good prevention technique that we assume will work for all of time, because we know that's bound to fail. And so when we're looking at what the blue team needs to do, we can break it down into these things and we can start making lists. We can use the MITRE ATT&CK framework as a guide to say, well, can we catch all of these delivery methods or can we catch all these persistence methods or lateral movement methods or command and control? And when we use threat intel to prioritize the ones that mean the most to us and are most prevalent from the attackers we think we know are going to be coming at us, that's where we can say we are doing the best possible job as a blue team that we can, given the money that we have. Following on that should be, of course, testing of those detections and making sure that you actually can catch the attacks you think you can catch. But that's the general approach. Know your assets. What do you have to defend? How are attackers going to get there? Who are they, right? Know your enemies. What do they want? What are the tools they use to get it? And ideally, what are the specifics about those tools, like domains that they're going to use for command and control, IP addresses, and all of that tactical level stuff? And then take all that information and collect the data you need to see it, your log files from Windows and Linux systems, mobile devices, ICS equipment, whatever it takes to catch those attacks that you assume are coming your way, and implement a good solid detection capability. Now, I know that I say that like that's an easy thing to do. This is a complex thing, obviously. Getting a set of well-tuned rules is something that you never are done with. Attacks are always changing. Your threat intel quality is always fluctuating. Maybe you have a really good source from one vendor, a bad source from another vendor, and then things change over time. That's a battle that you're going to always have to fight. But nonetheless, right, the quality of your detections plus your collection capability is going to equal how well you can catch what's going on in your environment. Then, once you catch it with one of those detections, you have to triage it, investigate it, have a good incident response mechanism that can spring to action very quickly and contain things if need be, or have a capacity to watch and learn and take a very measured and careful approach, which is something that's recommended for a lot of targeted attackers, especially if they've been in the environment for a long time and maybe have had the chance to spread out far and wide across your whole enterprise. So in general, that's my approach. Know your assets and your data, understand your enemies, and then understand the logs you need to collect and the detection technologies and capabilities that the SOC has to implement in order to catch those attacks going to those assets. That is really what blue teaming is about. The best use of resources fed by the best information you can possibly get and also backed by, ideally, well-trained individuals with a well-defined process and the knowledge, capability, and skill set to do a thorough job of ridding the environment of any attackers that do find their way in. In a SOC, the tools you're going to be doing this job with are all of your security suites, all of your network security monitoring appliances. This is going to be Zeek or Bro, uh, you know, Suricata, Snort, any kind of commercial tools you have out there, EDR, antivirus, whitelisting programs, firewalls, DLP, web application firewalls, next-gen firewalls, you know, the whole spectrum of all of this stuff. All of those devices individually are making logs. Those logs are coming to your SIM. The SIM is where you're going to be looking at all of this data in aggregate, in context, with complete view of hopefully everything that you're collecting, and then use that data in the SIM to then identify items of questionable nature. Push those to some sort of alert queue where you're going to be triaging those alerts. This could be in your SIM. This could be in an incident management system. And then you'll qualify them as true positive, false positive, 
And then in your incident management system, you'll have to work through the things that are true positives, writing notes, doing any kind of additional documentation, incident response, and all that sort of stuff. And ideally, there's some automation roped into all of this. Automation is a much bigger topic than I want to cover in this episode, but sure enough, it will pop up later on in this podcast, without a doubt. Other than that, Thread Intel platforms. Threat Intel platforms help you gather and organize not just tactical indicators, the domains and hashes, but also operational level intelligence and strategic level intelligence ideally as well. If you are sitting at your SIM and you see an alert that says, hey, someone just contacted an IP address that your Threat Intel vendor has said is bad, you should be able to go to your Threat Intel platform and see why is that IP considered bad? When was it considered bad? What tools were associated with it if it was command and control? Things like that. So between your Threat Intel platform, your SIM, and your incident management system, fed with all of your security tools, and made more efficient with tools like SOAR, security orchestration, automation, and response, you can put together a very efficient and well-running, well-tuned SOC. We've all probably seen an InfoSec presentation that mentions that famous Sun Tzu quote, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. As a blue team member, what this should mean to you is exactly what I've said in this episode. If you know your assets, if you know the people that are going to be coming to attack those assets, and you understand your tools, technology, and processes that you can use to disrupt those attacks, you will have optimally positioned yourself to defend your organization. With that, I think we've reached the end of episode one. So thank you for listening, and I really hope you stick around for the rest of the first season of the Blueprint Podcast. We have a bunch of awesome interviews with a bunch of really, really knowledgeable individuals that would love for you to hear all of their research that they've been doing, the tools they've been working on, and the ideas and concepts they've come up with. So don't forget to subscribe to catch all of the new and exciting episodes of the upcoming Blueprint Podcast. Thank you. Hey, Blue Teamers, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Blueprint. If you've got a second and want to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would be really, really meaningful to us. And if you have any ideas or suggestions, I would love to hear them. Your reviews are going to be one of the best ways to help others find this podcast. So anything you could do would be a big help. As always, thank you for listening. You can connect to me on social at SecHub, S-E-C-H-U-B-B on Twitter or on LinkedIn. So until next time, thank you for listening to the Blueprint Podcast.